Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Well, if you weren't awake before, you are now after that incredible worship and then a football video. I mean, I just... Thank you for giving to, uh, to reach this world as well. Um, speaking of reaching this world, um, we're, we're, we, we do want to reach this world, but we want to reach this city as well. And I want to just make sure that I clarify something. Next week with this Super Sunday, super, we're calling it kind of Supernatural Sunday, but for this service next Sunday, this thing isn't about football. It's about people finding faith. All right, that's why we do this. And uh, you're a part of that. Matter of fact, our ushers are gonna kind of stand up and help, but we want to uh, pass down the aisles, piles of these tickets. I want you to take two or three, hold on to them. Everybody just take two or three of these tickets. Um, If you need more, you can get some after service. But right now, just take two or three so that we can make sure that they get down the aisle. I want you to hold on to those tickets. We'll use those uh, and do something with them at the end of this service. But uh, we are praying for... Uh, as I've been saying, put my faith out there. We're not praying for dozens of people to come to Christ. We are, we are believing for hundreds to come to Christ next Sunday morning uh, in this Super Sunday Supernatural service. Um, we're going to put out some chairs apparently in this service to make room for all the new people that y'all are bringing next week. We've been talking about that, right? Like inviting people to church. And we practiced it a couple weeks ago. Can we practice it again? Like you would just say this, you used to say, you should come to church with me. Say that. All right, half of you did it. Come on, the other half, everybody's got to, across the campuses, come on, everybody practice this because we're going to be saying this this week. You should come to church with me. All right, pretty good. I still saw a couple mouths not moving, and I will come out there. Don't, don't make me. No, it's all good. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to just uh, see incredible things happen next Sunday. So have those tickets ready for the end of the service. We'll do something with that in just a moment. And I also want to just say hello to the campuses, uh, Redbug and Michigan Street. So glad that y'all are part of this thing. And uh, uh, we're believing for, for salvations at every campus, uh, new people like crazy. Um, and this is just, uh, you know, new people that come, they're entered, in, only the new people get entered into drawings so, uh, for like some door prizes. So that's kind of a big deal. So tell, that, that'll, that'll be a reason for them to come. So if you have a copy of God's Word, go to Numbers chapter chapter uh, 21. Numbers chapter 21. And uh, we have been in this collection of, of messages called What Kind of Church Is That? And I, I've got to be honest, I've had this one circled a little bit. I've had this one kind of like, like this one, it, this is a good Sunday to be here. Uh, I've been looking at this one. Um, and uh, so we're going to read it in, a, in the Numbers chapter 21, this passage of scripture, and then we will pray. Um, Numbers 21, and let's start with verse 4. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, it will be on the screens behind me. Verse 4 says, They traveled from Mount Or along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Look at what they said. Some of you are going to connect with this. They said, there's no bread. Started complaining about it. 
There's no bread, there's no sweets, there's no meat. Why have you done this to us? Hey, the finish line is right before us, church, all right? We were almost there, all right? Chicken wings, amen. Um, no, that's not what it says. Let's go back. They said, there's no bread, there's no water, and we detest this miserable food. They said, we're tired of broccoli, and fruits and vegetables. Verse six, then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take these snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole. Hmm. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake, put it up on a pole, and then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Title of this weekend's message is this. What kind of church is that? We are a reaching church. We are a church that reaches. And this is so much becoming a core of what we are, one of the, truly really becoming one of the pillars of what we are. And speaking of our pillars and like the legs to our stool, you've heard a lot. We talk about connect. We want you to connect, to grow, and to serve. We believe so much that God is doing something kind of new in this area that we're preaching on today that we're making it really one of our pillars. It's one of the legs on our chair. We, we are here to help you connect, grow, serve, and reach. So just get used to it. That's part of our thing now. Connect, grow, serve, and reach. And so we're gonna pray and ask God just to uh, anoint this word. And I guess we've prayed something like this before. I'm gonna ask you to do it again. I'm gonna ask you genuinely to pray and say, God, let this be more than just hearing a message, but let this be a message that I put into practice, yeah. okay? Can you just pray that God would kind of motivate that part of your life? Because we don't want to just be hearers of the word, we want to be doers of the word. And so may, in Jesus' name, this message just bring all of us into action. Lord, thank you for your word. Fresh anointing on this word, I pray. Lord, I, I would ask that it would be a prophetic word. I, I'm not here to talk about you, God, that, that I could speak for you. Please, God, speak through me. And, and we pray as a church across every campus and across anyone watching on any screen anywhere. Lord, we just right now say, God, speak to me and call me to action. And I'm willing to respond. I'm willing to move as a result of what you speak to me today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. Well, we read this passage in Numbers chapter 21, and I think we'll tie it in here in a moment, but uh, talked about uh, snakes and getting bit by snakes, and it reminded me when I was reading this passage, it reminded me of something that happened in, in my uh, family's uh, life uh, a couple of years back. Uh, this was back probably like um, maybe 10 or 11 years ago. My son Jonah was about 11 years old, and uh, the kids were out in the backyard praying, Praying, I would, maybe if they were praying, this wouldn't have happened. They're, they're back there playing, and, uh, and there was a snake in our backyard, and so they started to mess with the snake, and so they're looking at it, and there he was, and then he, the snake kind of curls up. He's kind of sitting there just chilling, and so um, our, our son Jonah, he was, when he, especially when he was that age, he was always the one that would be like, 
if anything, like if there's a bug in the house or a lizard in the house or something like that, Jonah would always be the one that would take care of it. He just didn't care about that kind of stuff. So when the snake is back there, the kids decide, hey, let's play with this. So my daughter kind of says, hey, Jonah, touch the snake. And so he, he touches the snake and it's kind of chilling. And then they said, pick up the snake. And so then he uh, reaches out to pick up the snake. And uh, this was all, I love that my daughter's documenting the whole deal all the way through via photographs. Some of you are like, did they recreate this? No, no, this is the actual photographs of the actual moment. So he reaches down and he picks up the snake and when he does, the snake bites him on the finger. And so then he kinda, you can see there, just a little tiny, again, documented by photograph. Now that you've been bitten, let me take a picture. So he's, he's holding his finger and you can just a little bit of blood. Nobody's thinking much about it. Uh, I don't think, you know, he was even thinking much about it. And then the finger started to, to swell just a little bit, started to bruise a little bit, and uh, again, documented, and uh, started to swell and bruise just a little bit, still not thinking that much about it. And then until the finger really, really started to swell, it really started to, a few minutes, thank you for that, a few minutes go by, a few minutes go by, it really starts to look uh, kind of ugly. And, uh, and then the venom apparently hit his bloodstream and started affecting his brain. Look at what happened, see? <laughs> Again, documented. Uh, all right, let me back up now. So at this point in the story, nobody's thinking that much about it because we're just thinking, well, you know, maybe it's not that big of a deal. And as God would have it, uh, another friend of, a, of one of my other sons was at the house that day and his mom came to pick her son up and she happened to be in the emergency room doctor. And so when she got there, my wife, I was actually out of town when this happened. That's why this happens, because when dad's away, crazy things happen. <laughs> now I was preaching at a youth convention out of state. I got a call from my, my wife, and she said, Jonah's been bitten by a, by a snake. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And so that's not good. It's the last thing you want to hear when you're out of town. So this uh, the doctor comes by, and she says, when she sees it, and when she sees the snake, she says, uh, you need to get him to the emergency room right now. Like, you need to go now. And she said, and you need to bring the snake with you. And I was like, bring the snake with you. When I heard about that, I was like, whose idea is that? <laughs> is that the snake's idea? Like, <laughs> like so now we gotta, so, but the snake had been, at that point, docile enough that they were actually able to put it in a bag and they took it with them and they went to the emergency room. And so I'm hearing about this. Turns out it was a pygmy rattlesnake. And the thing about the pygmy rattlesnakes, they're very, very small, but their venom is very potent. And so not as much venom comes out, but the venom that does come out is very, very potent. So I am in uh, a different state reading up on, on um, snake bites, on what happens with pygmy rattlesnakes. And I'm reading these people that are putting their stories on there saying, yeah, I lost my finger and it was more pain than I've ever had to endure in my life. And I, somebody else, oh, I lost my arm as a result of a pygmy rattlesnake. And so I'm, I'm praying and I'm believing for just something, God, to come through. They get to the hospital and when they get to the hospital, my wife is shocked when doctors come rushing in, the whole team of doctors looking at the snake, trying to figure out which anti-venom to use to, to treat uh, my son, and it was at that point, like, man, this is, a, this is a big deal. Now, here's the thing. When this first started, we didn't think it was that big of a deal. But once we realized the severity and the seriousness of his bite, we sprung into action. Once we understood how, how vital it was that someone came along and helped, we didn't sit there and go, Jonah, y'all just, you need to figure this out, man. You're the one that was playing with the snake. 
I mean, you're 11 now. You should know better. So figure it out. Like, I don't know what to tell you. That's not what happened. No, we jumped into his situation because of the bite that he had endured. And we see in this passage of Scripture another example of, of, of a snake, of some snakes biting some people. Numbers 21, unusual passage of Scripture. But as we look through this passage of Scripture, what you're going to find is you're going to see that in this, in this Scripture, in this passage, it's a, it's a story really about the gospel. You're going to see that it's a, it's a, really it's a, it got all the elements of all of our story. When we talk about humanity's connection with divinity, the same elements that we find in this story is in our story. So if you've made a connection with God, you're going to see the same elements in this story as you've found in your story. And for the people that are going to come to Christ, even next Sunday, their elements, the same elements of their story, you're going to find right here in this story. And the first element we see in this story, which is, which is in common with all of us, is rebellion. Yeah, every, every one of us. And you go, no, I'm not a rebellious person. Listen, every one of us have rebelled against God. We know that Romans chapter three says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what, that's what uh, sin is. Sin is rebellion against God. And so that's the first element we see. It's common. It, it comes across all of our stories, this thought of being rebellion against God. Look how it was for them in Verses uh, four and five, it says, they traveled from Mount Ora along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom, but the people grew patient, impatient on the way. So what they decided is that their journey wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. That their journey, that their life is not coming out like they wanted, and what that did is it caused them to rebel against God. Look, the people grew impatient, so they spoke against God. It's crazy because this is coming after a great victory. This, if, you, if you read before this, God had just done a miracle and given them a great victory, and now, just a few days later, now it's just so easy for them to speak against God and to speak against Moses, and they said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die? Now, they knew that wasn't the case, but when you're in rebellion, you'll say things that you know aren't true. Like, it'll be coming out of your mouth, and you'll be saying it with, with, with like conviction, but you're going, I mean, I know it's not really true, but I still want to say it. That's what rebellion does to us. So they speak against God, and they're saying, why'd you bring us out here to die? They start saying, we don't have any bread, we don't have any water, and we detest this miserable food. And this shift happens right after a great, great victory, and I go, how did this shift happen so quickly? How did it happen so naturally? It's because we have that in our nature. It's called a sinful nature. And it's so quick to rebel against God. And we see that in their situation. We've all seen it in our own situation. I think part of what causes this quick shift to rebellion, if we want to be specific about it, it would be this. It would be a sense of lack. What'd they say? They said, we don't have any of the good food. We don't have bread. We don't have water. We don't have life. And so this sense of lack, this, this thought that I don't have what someone else has, and that is often a launching pad for rebellion against God. I mean, we all experience that all the time, this sense of lack. That's why social media has taken over the world, because that's what we do. We just sit and look at everybody else's life and go, I lack that. I don't have that much fun. I don't have that much money. I don't have that many friends. And we just, it's lack, lack, lack. And Satan uses that lack to get us to rebel against God. 
We start thinking, I need, I need more excitement in my life, and so I'm going to go have, have the party life like that person has because I don't have the excitement. I'm lacking thrill in my life. I'm lacking pleasure in my life. I'm lacking gratification in my life. I'm lacking acceptance, so i got to go find a new crowd that will accept me. I'm, I'm lacking relief, and so I need to put something in my body to give me relief. I'm lacking fulfillment. I'm lacking sustenance. That's what we do. We have this spirit, this sense of lack, and it leads us so often to rebellion, and that's still a part of our story today. The second component, the second element of the story that we see is the result. It's the, it's the result of, of, ultimately, it's the result of the rebellion. Uh, and so here's the result of the rebellion, and trust me, the result comes quick, it comes swift, it comes heavy. Here's what it says. Then the Lord sent, as a, as, a, as a result of their rebellion, the Lord sent venomous snakes among them, and they bit the people, and many Israelites died. Now, this area of the desert that they were in, um, history tells us it was, it was filled with all kinds of poisonous, venomous um, reptiles of all kinds of sorts, uh, scorpions, snakes, you name it. Um, these snakes in another version gets, gets called a, a fiery snake. That might be, maybe is a reference to their color um, or maybe a reference to that, the, the bite of this snake and the wound it would cause. But it's listed as a fiery snake and we don't know the exact kind of snake uh, that this is, but this is a physical uh, representation, a physical illustration of really the consequence, the result of rebellion, or, or another way we could say it, is the consequences of sin. Consequence, pray for me that I spell all the words right today, because I can't handle that kind of embarrassment if I get up here and misspell, so just the Lord give me wisdom. No, it's consequence, and, and there's still, still always, like this is back in Numbers 21, there's still always result to our rebellion. There's still always consequence to our sin. There's a wage that we pay for our sin. The wages of sin is, is death. Yeah, y'all knew that across all the campuses. The wages of sin is death, and that's still the case today, and we can look at that and go, man, God, that was a pretty, man, that was a pretty radical approach to take with these snakes and stuff, and, and these consequences of sin. God, why do you let these consequences of our sin affect us? That's so mean of you, God. But let me look at consequence in a different way. I have a, uh, in my office that I was in a, a few weeks back, I have a door that opens up to like a closet area, and when the door opens, when you walk in, there's another door right here that opens this way. So I was opening up this door, and the door that's right inside that door was cracked open just a little bit. And so I had my hand on the outside of the door, and when I pushed open this door, this door kind of caught the other door, and my finger was in the middle, and as I pushed hard, like it hurt so bad. It just like, it was like I'm trying to like cut my finger off. It hurt so bad. And I'm not, I don't think I lost my salvation that day, but boy, it was, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I don't think I said anything, but oh my goodness, it hurt. I just, it, horrible bruise. It hurt so bad. And because I grabbed that door and I pushed it that way and I felt the consequence of my action. Now let me tell you what that did. I have opened that door dozens and dozens of times since then, but I've never opened it up like that. You know what happened? Is the consequence taught me to change my behavior. 
We can look at the consequence of sin and go, God's, that's just about God being mean. No, it's not about God's meanness. It's about God's mercy. That, that, that what would happen is when we feel the result of rebellion, it should lead us to the next part of our story. And the next part of everybody's story is this. It's the repentance. I love this part in the story. It just kind of cracks me up. I like to put myself, repentance. Okay, we're good. Yeah, amen. <laughs> Y'all thought I was going to get that. All right. I like this next part in verse, uh, in verse 7. It says, the people came to Moses, and they're like, hey, Moses, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord. Like, you think so, huh? What, what gave you that impression? Oh, all these snakes and the, the dying and the venom and such. So we've decided we have sinned against you, against the Lord. Uh, pray that the Lord would take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. I love it that these that seemed so entrenched in their rebellion are now so quick to repent. See, this is what I want to tell you. Know this. Some of you have been praying for people, and it just seems like the more you pray, the more in rebellion they are. But listen, don't stop praying for them because that rebellion is going to have a result, and at some point that result is going to lead them to repentance. No matter those furthest away from God. Matter of fact, as we talk about inviting somebody next week, I want you to be thinking about that. Don't, don't invite those that are just kind of saved. Think about some people that are far away from God. Think about the people you go, well, they would never come to church with me. Oh, yes, they will. If they happen to be in a season of result, they'll come to church with you because they're going to be ready for this. It, you just got to look at them expect that they're feeling the result of their rebellion. Every person is basically one sorrow away from repentance. I like the way it says it in 2 Corinthians 7. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Don't stop praying, even if it's praying a hedge of thorns around them. And when I say pray a hedge of thorns, here's what I mean. Pray for your lost loved one and say, God, may every direction they go, may they just feel the result and the consequence. Just not peace, nothing, nothing until they get here. Let them find it there. Let them find the fulfillment there because that's the story. That's the gospel story, the reconnection of man to, their, to his creator. And then the last part that we, we see in this story, we got their rebellion, we have their result, we have repent, repentance, and then the last one we have is redemption. And so in the redemption portion, this is what happens. The Lord says to Moses, this is how we're gonna redeem them, Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten now can look at it and live. Now, hold on. The people prayed, Lord, let the will you pray that the snakes get taken away from us? That's not how God answered the prayer. God, God said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring redemption my way, the, the best way, not in the way you think it, it should happen. So he says they can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake. They're still going to live in the midst of snakes. They're still gonna li live in a messed up world. They're still gonna live amongst an enemy. But if they'll put their eyes on the snake, they will live. When anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Now this is a very unlikely method of cure. I mean, if I was, I don't know, man, if I was, reading, if I was writing this story, I don't know if I'd have come up with this one. 
Like, how are we gonna, how are we gonna heal these people? And God says, Let's, why don't you make yet another snake and put it up on a pole? And that's, that, that's a little unusual until you think about it this way. God was saying, let's take what caused the pain and fashion something in its likeness. So let's make the cure, that which brings the cure, let's fashion that like that which brought the pain and the punishment. Now, are you, are you with me? Are you going with me? Because some of you are ahead and you're thinking about 2 Corinthians chapter five when it says, he, God made him who knew no sin, the one that's bringing the cure, to become sin for us. Jesus is, is, is fashioned, he becomes sin. The thing that's biting us, the thing that's killing us, Jesus becomes that. That's redemption. And that's still a part of our story of redemption. They still live in a world full of deadly snakes, but they can look to that. Now, those are four elements of the story. Everybody's story, connection to God, rebellion, result, repentance, and redemption. I just gotta tell you, I left one out on purpose. The one I left out on purpose is right in the middle of the story, and it's reconciliation. It's also the longest word that I have to spell in front of you all. <laughs> Reconciled to God. God's the solution. God's the answer. Okay, God's the answer to the problem. But who did God use as the reconciler? He uses Moses in this story. Let's look at it. It says in, in, in verse... Um, Verse seven and nine, the people came to Moses. When they hit that point of re re rebellion and result, they came to Moses and they said, Moses, we sinned, we, we, we've got a problem, can you pray? Can you pray that we would get reconnected to God again? Can you pray? So Moses prayed for the people. Moses became a reconciler to bridge the gap from their results to their repentance. And so Moses prays, and then uh, God says, okay, Moses, I'm gonna continue to use you to be a, a reconciler. I want you to do the snake, put it on a pole, hold the pole up. When they look at that, they'll live. And so Moses becomes, he's not the one, they're reconciling to God, but they're reconciling to God through Moses. Now, we go, you know who else was, because I heard somebody say it about a reconciler, you know who else was a reconciler was Jesus, and so Jesus takes on human flesh because a lot of times reconcilers would need to have human flesh. So Jesus takes on human flesh and he becomes another bridge between result and repentance. But Jesus is resurrected and goes away and now what does that do for us? So now who is the reconciler in 2022? I mean, we're still reconciling to God, to Jesus, but can I tell you who the reconciler is now? It's a big fat you. You are now the reconciler. You don't believe me. You think that like reaching people is just some option that we have. You think bringing somebody around to an outreach Sunday is just, well, I mean, I might be a part of it, I might not. Let me, let me issue the call of God on your life from 2 Corinthians chapter five. It says this, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Okay, get ready. Buckle your spiritual seatbelt, here we go. And God has given us 
this task of reconciling people to him. God's put that on us. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Look at it. It says, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. That's what we carry. I love that it goes on to say this. Uh, so we are Christ's ambassadors. No, you thought, I'm just showing up to work. I'm just, I'm just showing up in my neighborhood. I'm just showing up at the game. I'm just showing up with my, I'm hanging out with my friends. No, no, no. You are Christ's ambassadors when you're in all those places. You have been sent there with a message of reconciliation. We are Christ's ambassadors. I, I love this next part. It's as if God is making his appeal through us. Wow. It's like I'm Moses in this story now. God's making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. How would we do that? How would we become reconcilers? Well, I gotta be in right relationship with God myself. That's the first step. But I also gotta be in right relationship and in relationship with people that don't know God. I gotta be in relationship with people that have been bit by the snake. And we can't be so churchy that we just build a little silo in here and just a little clubhouse and we're just gonna hang out here until we all go to heaven. That's not what we're called to do. No, we're called to be reconcilers. And that means I gotta have a relationship with somebody that when they hit the result of their sin, they're going, you know who I need to talk to? You know who I need to have a little meeting with? I need to talk to my friend that I work with because I know they can get me through this moment of the result of my decisions and my behavior. That's what we're called to do. Being in relation with people, praying for people, inviting people, that's all part of this reconciling process. So there's Moses holding up that snake in the desert. Everybody who looked at it could live. He might as well have been holding this up. I mean, this is kind of like, it might as well have been this. Can you see him in the desert just holding that up? It might as well have been. Matter of fact, I, I believe so much that it should have been this, that it could have been this, because of what John chapter three says. Now, John three sixteen, probably the most famous verse in the Bible. A lot of you know what it says. What we don't usually look at when we think about John three sixteen, we're not usually looking at the context that three sixteen lands in. Like we're not usually thinking about. Well, I wonder what. 3, 14, and 15 say before John 3, 16, because John 3, 16 starts with uh, for God. For God, for, meaning like there's some other stuff we've been talking about. Let me tell you what John 3, 14 through 17 says. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So that... Why would we lift up the Son of Man? So that whoever would believe on him, so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should, should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but the world might be saved through him. So when we are doing our job as reconcilers, we're holding up Jesus with our reach. We're reaching out and saying, this is where you need to look. If you want life, life to the full, quit chasing after all these other things and start looking. That's why we're a reaching church. I wonder what would happen 
I wonder what would happen over seven days if we decided to reach together. Because we want Jesus lifted high. Matter of fact, nine chapters later of John chapter three, Jesus said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. I wonder what would happen if we decided, hey, let's lift together. Let's lift them even higher because everybody's got reach. Everybody has influence. Everybody can talk to somebody. Anybody got reach around here? Who's got, you got reach? You do, you have reach. I wonder what happens if we join together. Oh my goodness, look at that. Jesus lifts even higher. I mean, I thought it was about reaching those kind of close to us, but he starts getting high enough for people in Winter Springs to see him and live. He starts getting high enough for people out the Space Coast to see him and live. And then I got somebody else who has reach. Somebody else who decides, you know what, I'm not just gonna, I'm not just gonna go to work, I'm gonna see my, my friends that I work with, I'm gonna see them come and be able to see Christ and, and know Christ. And so now our reach goes any higher. I wonder what happens if we join together and say, you know what, this week I, you wanna be a part of this thing too. Amen. There's somebody else that says, it's not about how many people are in the building now. It's about how many lost are out there. I'm not going to let the size of the crowd, I'm not going to let that determine my involvement in this because there's people that need to be reached. And when that happens, look, oh my goodness, Jesus gets lifted any, even higher and there's even more people seeing him than ever before. And then I got somebody else with reach saying, I want to be a part of this. And we do this, pray for me. And Jesus gets lifted even higher. Because, because when we do this, we, we, we assure ourselves, we're not trying to be a church that entertains. We're not gonna pat ourselves on the back with how many Christians we entertain around here. We're gonna say, no, we're here to reach the lost. We're here to lift Jesus higher than he's ever been lifted before. Come on, somebody give God praise if you wanna lift Jesus higher than we've ever lifted him before. Hallelujah. You can remain standing. Go ahead and stand with me if you would. Across all of our campuses, go ahead and stand with us. I want you to grab those tickets that you got earlier in this service. Remember, we prayed that God would call us into action. I do believe that we're gonna see miracles happen next week. The greatest miracle of all is the miracle of salvation, and we're gonna see that happen. But it's, God's gonna use you to do it. God's gonna use me to do it. And I want you to, we're gonna take about 20 seconds, just, and quietly, we're gonna let God just drop some names into our heart. We're, let, we're gonna let God speak to us about who he would use us as the reconciler. He's gonna speak to us about people in our life that are right here, and they're just waiting for somebody to be the bridge. Just waiting for somebody to come along and say, maybe it's as simple as this, you should come with me this weekend. And when we do, you're gonna get the sense, the feeling of purpose, and you operating in your, the reason why you're on this earth, you're gonna sense that as you see your neighbor, your friend, your coworker, your, your acquaintance, you're gonna see them walk to this front and receive Christ one week from right now. I'm gonna give God a few moments right now to speak to you some names. So just, just listen to God. Say, you could say, God, who would you have me reach? 
God, who would you have me reach this week? I've got names of people that I'm bringing to church. See, I want you to invite, you can invite a lot of people, but I want you to bring somebody. Invite everybody, but just make a plan right now. You're not coming to church alone next week. Let's bring somebody. See what God does in their life. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.